the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm so glad that you are joining me today. I hope you had a good week. And I'm glad that you are taking time to set yourself up to have another very good week. And if it's not a good week this coming week, well, at least you might have some some tools and some just encouragement to manage it differently. So this is going to be about July 4th and about liberty and freedom and all those wonderful things. Now, I always like to say, please don't think I'm doing a political show because that is not what we do on this show. It's not about politics, but it is about lifestyle and it is about well-being and you being the best version of you. And so these concepts about freedom and liberty and and being um, you know, free to express who you are and, and pursuing happiness, well, these are all part of my job. That's what I do every day with clients. So in terms of 4th of July, what do we have? This famous saying that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Endowed by their creator. Well, trust in God. We trust in God. And you say, what? You know, that's no secret. Well, I've read dozens of times in the Bible and heard lots of sermons. So what about this trusting in God? What, what do I mean by this? Well, the secret lies in putting this truth into practice. And by making it such a powerful theme in your life that you view every event, every sorrow, every prayer with the unshakable conviction that God is totally, completely trustworthy. Now, this is kind of where we mess up. Sometimes it seems that we want to trust anything but God, or that because our lives aren't perfect, our world's not perfect, because we've been hurt, because things haven't worked out in our life, you know, we've seen tragedies, maybe, that somehow we think that that means we can't believe in God, because if God was really God, then wouldn't our lives be great? But how can God be God in our life if we don't let him in 
and aren't willing to ask him for his guidance, right? And so we have this idea that somehow we want to trust God, but we don't really trust him. So I say to clients, and I say to myself, I either trust God or I don't. I either trust him or I don't. There really isn't any in between. I either trust who God says he is, or I don't trust him. Because there really isn't a halfway of sometimes I trust God and sometimes I don't. Because what that sets us up for is I only trust God if he does it my way. Well, imagine if your doctor, you know, was asking what you wanted him to do. And you said, well, you know, you have cancer. And so, you know, I could cut out half of it. I could cut out none of it. You know, I could um, leave you be. I could give you a lot of, I, I could give you really atrocious drugs to dull the pain. You know, why don't you tell me what you want me to do about your cancer? How crazy would that be? How crazy? And and how very, very immature that would be. So I want you to think about this. It's It's easy to trust things that we like or that go well for us or that bring us pleasure or peace or happiness, joy, any of these things. But... You know, we, we seem to trust God on a case-by-case basis. Like, we're kind of saying to God, well, you know, I trust in you if this goes well. If it doesn't go well, then I don't know if I'm going to go have you be my go-to next time. And so we do it very conditionally. And I, I tell you, I'm, I'm with you, you know. But I thank God he's not conditional with me. I thank God that he doesn't listen to my prayers and say, well, you didn't listen to me last time, so why should I try this time? Right? So whatever we're doing, I want you to think about this. I want you to hear some little-known facts about Independence Day. And so this was very uh, educational for me. So the Declaration of Independence was announced on July 4th, though the formal signing didn't really occur until August 2nd. And John Adams, who first proposed the idea of declaring independence from England, wrote a famous letter to his wife, Abigail, about he believed July 2nd would be the day that was remembered and celebrated in America for years to come. Well, apparently we all thought otherwise, right? And so there's a couple of more things. A patriotic death. Three American presidents have died on the 4th of July. Thomas Jefferson, John Adams died on the same day in 1826. And this is really, this is amazing. And when we think about in the song of the, you know, the Star-Spangled Banner, the rocket's red glare, well, fireworks and parades have long since been a staple in Independence Day celebrations. And it's in the same letter John Adams about celebrating on July 2nd that he wrote the day ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows and games and sports and guns and bells and bonfires and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other. From this time forward, forever and forevermore. So colonists celebrated the 4th even before they knew they would win the war, setting off the fireworks July 4th, 1777. So fireworks were really popular in the late 1700s by politicians. They had a lot of them at their displays and their speeches, and, and it kind of became firmly established traditions by the 1800s. So it's really quite fascinating how we want to really express this day. So when we come to this idea of liberty, I don't think we teach this word enough. And liberty simply means 
the condition in which an individual has the ability to act following his or her own will and alternatively achieve their own potential within the context of other words like political freedom. It's a term that, you know, has contested some meanings. But liberty is this ability. So I, I, I live in a country that honors liberty still. And we see this because we have lots of mayhem at this point in our, in our time. And so <clears throat> we understand, <clears throat> excuse me, that liberty is one of those most amazing concepts. It's different than freedom. See, I can have liberty and live in a jail cell because liberty has more to do with what goes on inside of me, how I perceive what's happening, what choices I make as a result of what's happening. And so communism and socialism claim to have something defined as liberty for them but because they're, they have these social equality ideals. And libertarians and classic liberals think communism is against liberty because communism is most of the times against individual basic rights like life, freedom, property, these types of things. So we have lots of different ways we can look at social liberalists. We can look at equality. We can look at political power versus democracy. We can look at classical liberalism. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this. But I like what John Stuart Mill said in his work. And he said, on liberty was the, f- was the first to recognize the difference between liberty and freedom, to act and liberty as the absence of coercion. So it's the freedom to act and the liberty to act because there's no coercion. There's no being forced to do something. And he also defined it as the nature and the limits of power, which can be legitimately exercised by society over individuals. And he describes this as an inherent and continuous antagonism between liberty and authority. And the prevailing question then becomes how to make the fitting adjustment between individual independence and social control. So this has always been a big deal. And, and I, I want you to think about this idea of liberty, that God gives liberally to all of us. And liberty means that we pretty much can do whatever we want to do with whatever God gave us. Freedom means something a little bit different. And we're going to talk about freedom, because freedom is, is the difference than being enslaved. So we're going to talk about what enslaves you. And what you are a slave to. How can we have liberty and freedom in our lives? And that really is what God had designed his creation for. So I want you to think about, are you free? Are you free? And what does liberty in your life really mean? And how do you allow for liberty in others? Are you, are you giving others freedom to act however they want to act around you? Or are you saying, yeah, you have the liberty to do it, but I don't have to tolerate it. And that's, what I, that's where I'm free. I have the choice. I'm the choice. So this is, I'm not trying to be a social studies person because this is not, you know, my forte of what I like to teach on. But I want these concepts to really be causing you to think 
Because one of the greatest things that God did was send Jesus to set us free. And he says to us, and I love this verse in John eight thirty six. he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you're going to see the difference with many of these people, patriarchs all through history, that were not free, but had liberty internally. And then we see a lot of people that had all kinds of liberty to do whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it, but they were not free. And they were in bondage. So Mark ten forty five it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. These are pretty emphatic statements that we hear. And I want you to be free. I want you to live within the liberty that our country has given us. And to do that wisely. And I want you to truly be free. Even if you're in bondage to some things that you may or may not have control of. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this idea of freedom and are you free? Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about this idea of liberty and freedom. And are you free? And what might you be a slave to? And so I want you to remember again that liberty, what liberty really is, is the power and scope to act as one pleases. So we can have liberty, but that doesn't always necessarily coincide with conscience, right? And we also can have lots of liberty that may not be in our best interest. So we have that verse we talked about last week in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So one of the most amazing things about America was that it was decided, it was determined, and it was, it was truly focused on giving liberty with freedom and freedom liberally. Now, this is the thing we have to understand, that liberty is the power to act as one pleases, basically. And so, so it goes on to say what we would think about this as, as individuals should enjoy the liberty to pursue their interests and preferences. Now, when it becomes enslaving to others or to ourselves, is when it crosses the line, and in, in, and in so, it's going to then what we transgress someone else's liberty, someone else's freedom. So I'm wanting you to think about liberty. And do you take that for granted? Because we have quite a bit of liberty still here in America, which is truly amazing. But are we, I don't know, are we really free? So I want you to ask yourself if you're really free. And what does it mean to be free indeed? See, to set you free implies that something outside of you, an employer, a church, a parent, has come to free you. As in, the prisoner was set free by his captors. So as 
what, what, what we think of make you free is saying the simple knowledge of the truth will allow you to free yourself. So when, when Jesus says, whomever the Son sets free is free indeed, he's going to make you free. What he's saying is, you now have the truth that you're free. And you can actually free yourself. Now, this gets a little bit complicated because we all know that there are things that we're just not free to do. However, we can, you know, if we look at that kind of, I don't know, um, in, in not such a, um, articulate or, or precise manner, what we see is that we have the freedom of our mind always. And when we, if you've ever read from anything from Viktor Frankl, and he is, uh, his book is Man's Search for Meaning. And he was, um, in the Second World War, he was in a concentration camp for years and years and years. And he was a psychiatrist. And what he started to study was that why are all the really strong people dying and the weaker ones are surviving? And what he recognized is that the strong people, the really strong ones, were always trying to physically force freedom and physically force liberty. And the weaker ones knew they didn't have physical power. So they knew the liberty that they had and the freedom they had was in their mind. That they could copy whatever the guards wanted them to say, but it didn't mean they believed it. Didn't mean they felt it. So they could do anything in their mind and no one can read their mind. So this is one of the beauties of freedom and liberty is that we are free in our minds. Now, I do have people that come see me that don't feel free in their minds. And, and I, I've been there before myself where I had lots of thoughts. I couldn't stop thinking lots of ways. I couldn't stop feeling. I didn't feel like I was free inside of me. So when you think about this idea of what's the difference between make you free and set you free, because you see in this verse, it says, God sets you free. So whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. To be set free is an event. That's what that means. To set someone free means that you can put it, a date on a calendar. This is the day I was set free. But to be made free... This is an experience. See, being set free is temporal. It's a moment in time with a defined beginning and an end. But being made free, in contrast, this is like time transcendent. So setting people free has been purchased with the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. And so setting people free has been a process. And to be free indeed says that that process is finished, that work is done. So when we really look at this free indeed, and we celebrate the nation's birthday here in July, we always kind of engage in a lot of talk about freedom. And we've been blessed in this nation where democracy is cherished and practiced still, even though it doesn't always look like it. And we don't always agree but we do know that we live in one of the best nations on earth when it comes to being free because we can talk about these things. See, I don't think people that have not been out of the United States realize the oppression of many other countries, that you don't really have the freedom 
to have your own opinion. You don't necessarily have the freedom to live however you want, dress however you want, act and talk however you want. And so when we think about this free indeed, there is this sense of inner freedom that Christians find that transcends those outer forms of bondage and restriction. See, a Christian can be in prison, <clears throat> excuse me, and still be free. A Christian can be person, persecuted and still be free. So when we are set free from bondage to sin and evil, <clears throat> excuse me, my goodness, I hope you can all still keep praying for me about my allergies because I keep sneezing and it's driving me crazy. So anyways, we are set free from bondage to sin and evil and we truly are free indeed, regardless of our external lives. So what we want to think about, though, is freedom. This doesn't mean the license to do as we please. See, it carries a great responsibility to use freedom. And that's some of what you're seeing in our country. Are we being responsible with our freedom? Are we being responsible with our liberty? So Martin Luther wrote in a tract entitled The Freedom of the Christian. He said, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is perfectly dutiful servant of all and subject to all. So he's saying, on the one hand, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. That's the freedom that God gives us. But a true Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all and subject to all. So our Christian freedom is always balanced by our love for God and our neighbor. And the issue of Christian freedom is not necessarily an individual right, but it's a gift. It's a gift because someone had to do something to purchase that freedom. Freedom is not free. Freedom is never free. There's a price to pay somewhere. Someone pays the price. So I want you to think about this idea of freedom and of liberty and how free are you? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about freedom. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and we are talking about liberty. And you have the liberty to be free. And I want you to think about that statement. You have the liberty to be free. And there are not a lot of people on this planet that actually have the liberty to be free. Now, as Christians, they can be free in their mind. They can be free in their hearts. They can be free when it comes to the emotions they feel. But are they actually allowed to walk out just being free? Saying, doing, thinking, acting, however they want to act. And within, I guess, the law, even sometimes <laughs> breaking the law, we can still be free. So I want you to think about the gift of that and the power of that, what it means to truly be free. And many times, because we, most of us have grown up this way, we many times can take for granted what freedom is. And we as Christians as well can very well take advantage and minimize the freedom that God has given us to be free. 
He says, you have free will. You can think how you want, act as you want, feel, do, pursue, whatever it is. We can even say anything we want to God. We have complete freedom. But does that mean wisdom? And we talked about wisdom last week, and the gift of maturity is wisdom. So am I wise? With, with, with my, the wisdom that I have, am I wise with my freedom? Am I, am I practicing healthy decision-making processes, knowing that I'm free? I have the liberty to act freely. So think about this. What a weighty thing it is to be free. What a wonderful thing. And so many people, many of us, end up putting ourselves in bondage because we don't know how to handle freedom. So we would almost be, we would rather be told what to do. So we let society dictate for us how to live, how to think, how to talk, how to walk, how to feel, what, are the, what our priorities are. And we're in a free country. We are in a, in a country that fought for liberty so that we could be free to pursue it. So this sense of inner freedom that the Christian has, it transcends outer forms of bondage and restriction. You know, a Christian can be in prison and be free. A Christian can be persecuted and be free. See, when we're set free from bondage to sin and evil, we're, we're truly free indeed. But here's the thing. The true freedom that God gave us and the liberty that we have to walk it out in has a lot to do with the way we think. Are we using that liberty to act freely in a way that harms others? Well, that's not why God would have set us free. That produces no good fruit whatsoever. So I want you to think about the fact that freedom isn't without consequence. And see, there are many adults, and, and I have many of them in my practice, and I was, had to work on this myself, that sometimes I wasn't mature enough, healthy enough, strong enough, had enough uh, conscience, virtue, to handle freedom well. Freedom without that internal compass or guide, which is God, that kind of freedom does really well when it has a plumb line. A plumb line we talk about in the Bible. This is where, you know, we, we hold it, we have a weight at the end of a rope and gravity holds it in place and that's how we know it's perfectly straight up and down. And if I don't have a plumb line so that I know how far off center I am, then the freedom that I have is going to end up corrupting me. How many people do you know live very liberally and act with complete freedom and are in tons of bondage, tons of bondage. Maybe they have bankruptcies. They have children outside of, of relationships that they have to take care of. They have health issues because they have indulged in things liberally and freely. And now they have lots of consequences for the way they treated their bodies. So liberty and freedom are really, really special qualities that God is entrusting to very mistake-making people. 
And I'm thankful that he did that he that he really wants to do that with us. And he wants to guide us and he wants to direct us. He wants to help us with that. So my freedom always shapes itself by God's will for me and my neighbor's need of me. Think about that. That's what freedom is for. Freedom is so that God can enter into my life and I'm giving him full access, full freedom, full liberty to do with me what he knows is best for me and for others that I love. So let's look at this when we come back. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom to many. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're just tuning in, we are in our last segment for this hour. So you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can download the shows there, send them to your friends, or you can go to your favorite web um, podcast server, and I'm sure that we are on any we are on numerous ones almost all of them that i know of so they're easy to find just type in conversations with cynthia all one word and you can find just years of shows that we have done so thank you again for listening and just for all of your encouragement and support and participation so today we are talking about this idea that you have the liberty to be free what does that mean well someone had to fight for that liberty and now you have to walk out that freedom And how liberally are you going to walk out your freedom? What are you going to do with that gift of freedom? Because I love this verse that we that we ended this last segment on, and that is Mark ten forty five, and this is what it says: the freedom. This is in the context of Jesus. He says, "For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." So when you think about that, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Well, we would kind of think in our way of of thinking that if I'm a servant, I'm not free. But see, let's think of the difference between a slave and a servant. A servant has a lot of choice because they can quit their job. A slave cannot. So God has not enslaved his people, and he won't. He's serving us as he would like us to serve others because he knows our makeup. He knows that when we are being in service to others, we are at our best and our lives are much more meaningful because the things of this world, we know, fall away. And they bring, they bring great meaning and purpose for a little while and then it doesn't last. But the service of love and honor and respect and grace to other people, that lasts. So so ask yourself, are you free? What are you bound by? What do you serve as a slave? And what do you serve if if you are truly a servant? So as a slave, you know, you don't have the same value as a servant. See, Servants are trusted and well-paid. Now, the payment may not be monetarily, right? And so a servant 
is someone of great honor that is laying their life down for another so that another's life is working. Because most of the servants that we know that that have given their life for the Lord, if our lives are working, if we are serving correctly and our lives are working, we have that much more energy to help others' lives work. And that's what I do every day. I serve all these clients, and I love that job. And I help make their lives work because someone invested in my life and served me. So when we look at Romans 6.16, and lots of cross-references, we say, Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. How about this one? John 8.34. Jesus answered, answered them, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. How, how many of you have experienced this? You know, we know it's a sin. We know we probably shouldn't do it, but we kind of want to dabble. We want to put our toe in the, in the water, right? And then we end up drowning in it. Because this is one of the things that God said. You can't just do it a little. It doesn't work. If it, if it was just a little, we, he would not have had to die the death that he did. So this, this important, very important thing, when he says in Romans 6, 12 and 13, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its possessions and passions. See, when it's reigning in you, then you are now a slave to whatever has mastered you. And that's an important thing for us to remind ourselves. That all humans have this propensity for pleasure. But what we want to do is recognize that pleasure is fleeting. But things of meaning, things of depth, things of honor are lasting. And Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He can't serve God in money. And I think this is one of those toughest things for us to recognize, is this great gift we've been given. And we want to celebrate July 4th, but so many people served their country, lost their lives for liberty, for future people to be free. How are we helping people be free? So I want you to think about this. What you can walk away from, you have mastered. What you cannot walk away from has mastered you. So have you ever had something happen in your life you just couldn't let go of it? Like it might have been a situation involving money or you're holding a grudge, you know, or you have a persistent compulsion, um, you know, or, or you're easily offended Maybe you're overly sensitive, and I don't mean like being sensitive the way God made you. I just mean being overly sensitive. And sometimes we just don't want to let go of things until we've had our final say. So think about, you know, those, those, the, the Rocky movies? You know, he, man, Apollo Creed took a surprising beating at the hands of Rocky Balboa, but he would not let it go. He wouldn't let it go. Because he wanted a rematch because he felt like Rocky had gotten lucky the first time. 
So I want you to think about this. When, when we are looking at things that we are grasping, those grasping hands that we have, and we won't let it go. So we want the less thing for the better because we're afraid to let go of something, a hope, a dream, whatever is mastering us. Is the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, if only then mastering you? I want you to ask yourself that. How much power am I giving away to people, to places, to things? So what is mastering me? I may think I own all these things, but maybe they actually own me. So letting go of something, if it consumes you, if, it's, if it is on your mind night and day and you can't walk away from it, you can be assured, assured it mastered you. And it could be simply that of an offense. It could be something that someone said or did to you and you can't let it go. You really need to be vindicated. So maybe it's a personal relationship, it's a business relationship. And if you hold on too tightly, you're only going to make matters worse. Maybe you remember that song, Hold On Loosely, right? And don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. <clears throat> so whenever you can hold on to situations, to people, to dreams, to hopes, if you can hold on to them loosely, you're going to be in a much better position of calm and rational decision-making. If you can't walk away from something, you maybe should not be involved in it. And I'm not, I'm not talking about walking away from a spouse unless the only reason you're hanging on to the spouse is for legalism because you don't want to do, quote, unquote, the wrong thing in divorce. So I want you to think about these things. What is controlling me? What is holding me? What are the emotional holds, the physical holds, the financial holds? The spiritual holds. I want you to think about this. I want, I, and, and I want you to think about this, this concept that I've been thinking about for years, and I don't often say it, but I want you to think about what, what it would be like if I would police myself, I wouldn't need to be policed. I want you to think about that. We wouldn't need any police if we all policed ourselves. Now, you know, we can't really expect that of children, right? So it's not necessarily a concept I'm saying is, is 100% possible. But it is this idea of self-control. And if everyone practiced self-control, what would this world look like? It's immature in bad form to not police yourself. It means you're not on top of you. It means you're expecting the external world to parent you. And if you're listening to the show, you are, you are beyond parenting right now, unless you're your own parent. And I would recommend that. I tell this to people all the time. Be your own parent. Parent yourself. So if you didn't get good parenting, then be the parent you needed. So do yourself and everyone else a favor. Police yourself. Be on top of yourself. The more on top of me that I am, the less I have to think about me. The more on top of me that I am, the more I'm policing me, the more grace I have for others, the more tolerance I have. So I don't want you to take your freedom for granted. 
See, if you've always been free, then you may not have the appropriate compassion and zeal for those who are not. So we want everyone to be free. And the more free people are, if they really understand what freedom is, because freedom is self-responsibility. Freedom is self-containment. Freedom means I don't inflict my, myself or cross your boundaries because I'm free. That's not freedom. So I want to really understand what freedom is in my life. I want you to understand freedom in your life. What has you bound? What takes up all the mental space in your mind? What, what's got your heart all locked up? What's all the wishing that you do, the daydreaming that you do? Where are you not free? And I want you to understand that we're all afraid in some ways to be free because there's a great amount of responsibility that comes with freedom if we do freedom well. So think about this. What you can walk away from you've mastered. What you cannot walk away from has mastered you. Are you free? If you're a Christian, then Jesus is saying, the Son, he set you free. You're free indeed. So are we acting like free people? Or are we just acting with mayhem and thinking that we're entitled to whatever we want, whatever we feel, whatever we need, whatever we think is right, and not thinking about the effect it has on those around us? And really wanting to require from everyone that they be the best version of themselves. That we don't want people growing up and, and walking in excuses all the time. Now, I think there's a great place for explanation. We've talked about that before. But whenever the explanation becomes an excuse, I've now lowered myself. I'm demeaning myself. I'm demoralizing myself. So again, I want you to think about this. I don't take any freedom you have for granted. Someone, somewhere, something had to die in order for that freedom to occur. And if you've always been free, relatively whatever, don't, then, then you have to be careful that you might become judgmental of others that are not free. And I want you to have the appropriate amount of compassion for those who are not free. And don't maybe even understand what freedom truly is. I want you to have zeal for those who are not free. And one of the best ways to teach freedom is be free. Be an adult. Be you. Be the best version of you. Honor yourself. Honor others. Honor God and who you are today. And thank you so much for listening to the show. God bless you this week. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.